almost going to fall for Martinez. Antonov trying to get there. Martinez finishes to give away the match. It's an absolute peach from the Paraguayan, Miguel Almiron. Atlanta United in just their second year of existence have won MLS Cup. After our final, Jason Jones from the Mothership, Joe Patrick from the Behind the Game, Jersey Soccer is over there. Joe Patrick, how would you feel is as an adult grown man if you wildly celebrated and maybe even threw some beer on some high schoolers <laughs> and then those same high schoolers came back and owned you so bad that you just had to sit there and say nothing while you got yelled at by security? How would you feel? This hasn't happened to you before? This, no, this it's, it's not, not happening to me, a, but it's not a, a hypothetical situation. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We, we, we saw this in real time. We did. We did. Yesterday, Joe Patrick, and it was beautiful. And I, for one, believe that the Zoomers are going to save us all. They really, really are. <laughs> well, we Charlotte almost, fans we, we got almost to celebrate one goal. In the, uh, yeah, talking about the, 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 their celebrations, uh, when they did celebrate <laughs> that one goal, things were getting... Pretty rowdy in the away support. There, were, there was a lot of beers getting thrown over the rails. <laughs> there was some. Uh, I saw some like finger pointing at the you know the people in the section next to them. The security guard was having to get there again. High schoolers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're not yet. At it the was like we don't yet need like the um, the human blockade of orange men in like you know uh, uh, you know the security officers in the in the railings, but. There was one guy well, who look. was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, the, the kids were holding their own the entire game. Yeah. The entire game, they were holding their own, right? And I've come to find out that this was a group of traveling fourth through 12th graders from Thomasville, <laughs> Georgia. Uh, congratulations to them because they crushed it. They crushed it. And again, the Jake Mulraney scores the winner. They turn and face and in unison, just a simple slow clap chant. We can't hear you. Clap, clap, <laughs> clap, 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 and it was beautiful. Yes, beautiful. Yes. It's not, I, as the Charlotte fans sat there and, and shrunk into a corn cob. This is becoming somewhat of a thing for Jake. I mean, he did something very similar against Montreal last year. I think in Gabriel Heinze's first home game. You know, it was the one where he gave the big celebration, and then I asked him about it, and he was like, "Shut the up." He didn't actually say that, but he was like, nah. <laughs> he, he gave some sternly worded response, like uh, that. Yeah, about, about said he didn't want to be a but, sub, which like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I yeah. No, it, I was talking about Heinze. Yeah. That was like after the game when I asked Heinze about like his emotions because like he had like the, the cameras caught him like oh. rea- like with like a huge fist jump up in the air and stuff like that. <laughs> and he was like, I was like, well, that's that right. Like, that's right. And then, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, for Jake, I mean, it's Not awesome. An emotional he's, he's becoming like a cult legend to a, to an extent for some of these late game heroics. So good for him. Yeah, no. He, and again, he mentioned he doesn't want to be in a sub role, but. Yeah, Jake, buddy, we'll talk about it. And more, on St. Patrick's Day, going to be in the sub role. Fits so many different brands at the same exact time. I'm not. I'm he was not a not fan of that. Yeah, he he, he didn't. No, I don't, I don't know if he liked the the, um, the, the, Saint, the luck of the Irish question. There, well, this has been a wonderfully rambling intro here. Uh, credit Kurt Castle for the intro music you, at the very least. That was not rambling. It was very good. Go check out Kurt on Spotify. Kurt Castle, the song is chances. Go check out the Patreon. patreoncom slash five stripe final where we have a whole bunch of stuff coming to you this week next week we've got previews we've got training ground reports 
We've got interviews with folks like Jeff Lerwinowitz we had on just last week. We've got more stuff coming to you as well, especially as we kind of head towards an international break after uh, a couple weeks here. We'll, we'll, we'll have a lot of stuff coming your way. Keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on our Twitter page at uh, Five Strike Final. And check out all those things. We've got a lot of good stuff. Oh, and you can join the world famous Five Strike Final Discord, which came up with a great name. Hitting mainstream. Geographically centered matchup with two teams who are within driving distance of each other is how I'm going to phrase it. <laughs> they called it. Is it regicide or regicide? I, I regicide. I don't know. I, I don't even we'll go regicide. Yeah. It basically means just like murdering royalty, <laughs> which happens essentially, right? Yeah. Just it was the and, one. Uh, I, I, I assume right. that that word went out over the air on 929 The Game because I know Mike Connie came in to get the official clarification on it uh, before uh-huh. in the, in the uh-huh. pregame. So, um, yeah, hopefully let's let's make that make that happen. We can make that a thing. Do we have the power to make things <laughs> things? Probably not. It's probably needs no, to be the fans. because I've been trying for years. And people listening to this make, need to make the thing a thing. On. The only thing that's became a thing is them five stripes as hell because Julian did that's it. That's right. Time. Yeah, that's right. Twice, that's right. Actually. That's right. We so, just need to get a player you, to start saying regicide. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, interview with Julian on the Patreon as well, but yeah. we're not going to talk about that right now. We're going to talk about a 2 1 win for Atlanta United. No business time this week, but we do have plenty of sports prime game time. Sports prime game time, 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 sports prime Sports Prime game time, Joe Patrick, and we're going to talk about it a little bit, but my kind of overarching take from all of this is that it looked really clunky for periods of time, but overall in the grand scheme of things and, and on paper, it looks pretty okay. It looks fine. It doesn't look great. It could yeah. have been better, but again, this is still a team that's missing a lot of its best players. It's a lot of its best creative players, and, and we saw that when... Marcy came on and eventually impacted the game in a major way. Yeah, I thought the first half was was really, really good right until the very end. Uh, it was kind of funny that you had you had pulled up the XG and Charlotte had two great chances uh, from crosses that actually elevated their expected goals over Atlanta's by the end of the first half, even though yeah, just those two shots yeah. was enough to go above Atlanta. <laughs> even though yeah. Atlanta had had a you know steady progression of the expected goals throughout that half. Um, and really dominated the game. They had 71% possession at halftime, which, again, you could say possession is not necessarily indicative of something good or bad, but I think when, when you have 71%, obviously it means you are really not just dominating when you have the ball, but also that means that you are winning the ball very quickly off of the opponent. And to me, that was the biggest uh, the biggest kind of takeaway from that first half was Atlanta's press. Charlotte just could not figure out how to break it. They they got through occasionally on some long balls down the wings, but other than that, they had no real idea. Uh, and to me, I couldn't, I didn't really know what Charlotte was trying to do in the attack <laughs> throughout that first half because they could not build up mm. anything consistently. And it was really good to see 
like Joseph, you know, again, leading the line and, and charging down the, the goalkeeper and pressuring the ball and just forcing those long balls that Atlanta United was winning. And also it was really evident to me, Ozzy Alonso, when uh, the, the um, Christian Kalina, uh, Charlotte's goalkeeper, when he would make a save or as soon as there was time that he was going to take a goal kick or something immediately while the players are still kind of running in back into the position, Ozzy Alonso's pointing out who, who needs to be picked up, who needs to be picked up. And, and, you know, guys were responding to that. So I wrote actually in the, in the player ratings that I thought that they probably would not have, they would not have won that game if not for Ozzy Alonso. Granted, he wasn't really involved in any of the goal situations, but I just think it's so evident how important he is to organizing the team. And uh, you really can't say enough good things about him, especially with what he went through with, you know, all the heart issues this recent week. So, you know, and then in the second half, I'll, I'll just say this quickly in the second half, it was um, just a different game. And I remember telling you five, seven minutes after the half, second half stars, like what is with this team not being able to kind of come out of the gates in the second half, like ready to play like they were in the first half. It's kind of disappointing. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. And we'll touch on that more in a second, but first got to touch on Ozzy. We didn't have a business time segment, but we could have, Done it and just mentioned that Ozzy is good to go. Yeah, well, it seems like yeah. he, he talked to media after the game. Joe, do you have anything you want to pull from that? My understanding, he had these issues in Seattle as well. Yeah, so I guess he, when he was in Seattle, he was diagnosed with an enlarged heart. And um, that's a condition that is not all that uncommon. Uh, it's obviously one that you can go on with but obviously you just need special care i kind of looked into it on uh webmd you know uh, the 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 doctor <laughs> of the internet after the game and um you know, you know it can it can cause some issues from time to time you can get some inflammation and things like that in some of the areas of the heart so you just gotta and i had to assume that that is why he was able to see a cardiologist and they kind of knew something was wrong because they knew that he required special attention with his heart. So um, that's good to know that they kind of had a, had an eye on that. And he actually said he traveled to Boston and New Jersey uh, for more. Those were those kind of third party independent um, visitations that he had with doctors to check that out. So, you know, it's a obviously a scary situation for him, but it's good to know that it wasn't something that just kind of came out of the blue. You know, it's almost kind of refreshing to know that it was something that he's he understands and he's been dealing with and it has caused him an issue or two before in Seattle. So, um, yeah, just good to see him back out on the field and knowing that he's healthy and ready to play. And I, he played 90 minutes. So I think it shows that he wasn't any really worse for wear from missing some of the time. Yeah, no, and, and totally crucial the entire time. You're absolutely right. Just so important in, in directing traffic and, and making sure people are in the proper positions and cutting off build-up play and everything like that. I want to go back, though. You mentioned the possession statistics and some of like where where chances were coming from in this one. And I'm looking at some of the stats now. And I think coming into this, one of the tests we hadn't seen for Atlanta, except for somewhat in this color in the Colorado game where they had a ton of possession, couldn't really do a whole lot was I was just wondering if they could do it at home while they had possession if they could create chances at home despite teams not playing the way that sporting kansas city want to play which is up tempo which is mm-hmm. you know uh building quickly and actually you know trying to play soccer charlotte yeah, wasn't going to do that Colorado was never gonna do that right yeah exactly so i, I kind of wondered where the chances were coming from for Atlanta united and through that possession they were able to create it looks like about six shots just through possession where Shots weren't coming from were from 
these counterattacking moments, these per, or these high regain moments where you get the ball in your own half of the field and and, and move it quickly and score, right? Mm-hmm. Those weren't really happening. And I still worry some about Atlanta United's ability to create when they just have the ball, mm-hmm. you know? And I think smart teams are going to let them just kind of have the ball because that's the way it's been for a couple of years now. Yeah. Right? Well, so to, to even get anything out of this, I think, was encouraging because there was enough XG and enough shots to, to applaud what they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think in the in the first half, it, it was pretty clear that Joseph seemed a little bit isolated in the attack. Uh, you know, they were getting in the crosses. I think at one point you were like, dude, look at this. It was like Atlanta had put in 11 crosses already uh, relatively early, which isn't mm-hmm. always a bad thing. But I think it is not ideal when you kind of have Joseph in there more or less by himself with everybody else trying to, you know, buzz around the box to to help create. Um, uh, what the fuck? There was there was something else I was going to say, but I've already forgotten what it was. Well, but. I mean, we kind of mentioned the the crosses and everything like that. They just yeah. were not super effective at all. There's not it's not a bad thing to play crosses. I remember me and Joe have talked about this before, but one time we were talking about breaking down teams that didn't want to play against Atlanta United that wanted a bunker, and we talked about this with Tata. It's like, do, do we do you think we're? Or we asked him if he if um. He thought they were crossing too much. He said, no, we need to play crosses more. Way more. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Sure. And, and he's Tata and we're us. So yeah. we're going to defer to him on that. And it is, and it can be an effective way to, to break down teams or bunkering, especially when you're playing crosses that vary in their delivery, vary in the angle they're played, vary in just the speed of the ball. Brooklyn was doing a really nice job of that yesterday for the most mm-hmm. part, I mm-hmm. thought. Same time, only one shot that came from a cross yesterday yeah. yeah there were three shots that came from corners the rest came from what looks like a couple long balls and a couple of cutbacks only one shot from those crosses and there were a lot of crosses it's kind of worrying i guess to some extent yeah and you know what i was going to say that i forgot but i you, you've refreshed my memory is that you know it, it's difficult when teams sit sit deep i mean that's why teams do that is because it's harder to just you know play through them um that's why against a team like sporting kansas city who's going to come out a little bit more you have more space in behind to exploit you know, it, kind of an exact situation that you would drop on the chalkboard is like Luis Araujo's first goal in that game um, where, you know, you win the ball in the opponent's half, a couple passes, you're through on goal. Uh, in this game, it, that just wasn't as that that option was not as available for Atlanta United. So they were kind of um, reduced to getting those balls in from the from the flanks. I thought Brooks Lennon pl- played in some good crosses. He was the one that connected on the one shot in the first half. That was a, a really clean header look for Joseph Martinez. Also put in at least one that I can remember, but there may have been another, uh, you know, nice kind of like what I would call like a, a through ball slash cross with like a, like a deep cross for Joseph to run onto that he just couldn't quite get a foot on. Um, that went out for a goal kick. But I like to see that. You know, I, I've said it before the season and I'm not going to criticize Brooks Lennon for it now for attempting some of those balls, because I think that, you know, the ones that you do connect on are going to be genuine, great scoring chances, even though they, you know, on the stat sheet after a game, they might not look as, so useful. But uh, especially in this game where you don't have the other designated players up top to help support Joseph, I think that, you know, Atlanta United was trying to be a little bit more direct in some of those instances uh, to try to capitalize before Charlotte could set up in that deeper block. For sure. For sure. And obviously it seems pretty clear they were trying to, to get it down the right side and get it to Brooks and let those moments happen. It looks like all but three uh, of the passes leading to shots yesterday came from that right side. 
So, I mean, Brooks played well. Uh, yeah. He led the team. He led the game and expected assist somewhere around 0.4 expected assist yesterday. He's looked really solid. He's looked really solid and, in that forward role. You know, he was the one who, who supplied Joseph with what was a golden chance and a, a great shot. And just a, you just can't do anything but tip your hat to Christian Kalina for making the save in the 80th minute against Joseph. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was kind of exactly what you want to see, which is Mar- uh, Mateus Rosetto playing Lennon in. Lennon able to get into that primary assist zone and then doing the little cutback on the ground to the spot for Joseph Martinez, who was able to just lace a shot first time. I mean, that is kind of how you would draw it up. It's great to see Atlanta being able to execute that kind of pattern. That kind of pattern is very reminiscent of of the kind of goals that Atlanta would score mm-hmm. under Tata Martino. Um, that's exactly how they would kind of thread their their way, um, uh, their route into goal. Um, so it was good to see. But you know, it, it's one of those games where when I was going through doing the player ratings, it was hard to pin down any player, any particular player for having a bad game. I mean, I think Tiago Amato is probably the the worst player on the field um, for reasons we'll get into, I'm sure, later on. You know, Brad Guzan, also the goal that got by him was was not good. But you got to give Brad Guzan credit for, you know, at least one save he made late in the first half that uh, denied a goal. But overall, the performances were gen- generally good. It's just some of these te- more team issues where they're still, I think, sorting some things out, whether that's defending set pieces, defending some of these long balls, overall team mentality coming into the second half, those kinds of things that need improvement. And I think Gonzalo Pineda understands that uh, he was actually he kind of admitted that he's like, I can't deny that set pieces are an issue for us right now. So it's good to know that the the manager uh, has an idea of where the vulnerabilities for this team are right now, and he can go about trying to sort those out during training. I pulled the numbers for set pieces last year. Atlanta United, fourth worst in the league. But when you go by XG uh, allowed mm-hmm. on set pieces, that's not super great. They haven't been completely terrible this year at a very small sample size, but obviously it led to a goal yesterday, which is frustrating. And I think a goal against uh, Colorado as well, if I'm right saying that. So, oh, and against Sporting Kansas City. So that needs some work. Um, so it, it should get better, hopefully. We'll kind of talk about that more when we get to y'all's questions, but it, it's certainly been a weak point. Uh, defending balls in the air has been somewhat of a weak point. Again, very small sample size on that, but they've allowed as many shots as, as any other team in MLS on crosses so far this year. Um, so I, I don't quite know exactly how much we can take from that probably not a ton it's just something to keep an eye on and something that hopefully gets better with time because it doesn't seem like this team isn't as short as it used to be i don't know if that's just extremely reductive yeah i mean they've got plenty of size um especially yeah with i mean especially with a guy like george campbell and if you i mean they had george campbell and uh or i guess miles was in the george campbell and miles robinson were in the team for the colorado game and they were you know leaking gold i mean i think it's pretty clear at this point that alan franco it's like not the the strong suit of his game alan franco is more a player that excels on the ball in possession not Mm -hmm. (laughs) um you know defending those balls in the air but you know every center back i guess has their strengths and weaknesses but you know i think that that's something that they gotta they gotta you know just Sort that out, because if you're uncomfortable defending any cross into the box, that can really hamper you. And it was just frustrating to see yesterday. It seemed like every time Charlotte was getting those opportunities to get crosses in, it felt dangerous, like a legitimate threat that they were going to be able to score where Mm -hmm. 
on the other side, it got to a point where it seemed like Charlotte was able to deal with some of the crosses relatively easily. And that, um, yeah, so it's just one of those things that Atlanta will have to get sorted out. But, you know, one thing I want to say, just kind of very top level, is that what's important for Atlanta United right now is just collecting points that's going to count at the end of the season. For every team in MLS right now, we're still just kind of discovering who these teams are. We're, we're still just getting a taste of um, what what how these teams are going to try to play, who's going to excel for these teams. You know, no team in MLS is playing at their optimal level. Uh, Atlanta United, maybe more so than any other because of the players that they're missing with Luis Araujo and then Tiago Amada just just coming into the team. So, you know, I think that the most important thing for Atlanta right now is just to collect the points that you should be collecting at home, you know, a home game against Charlotte. That's a game you should be winning. They nearly didn't, but the, at the end they got there and we can, we're obviously discussing some of the more finer issues, but overall, I don't think it's as, uh, some, as much as something that we need to be focused and worried about, um, as opposed to something like this happening later on, you know, down the season closer to the playoffs. Yeah, you're totally right. Too many guys missing too early in the year. You know, uh, this has looked better. This is like better overall in a lot yeah, of yeah. senses. And that I is mean, without a lot of really key players. We we, well, we always kind of judge it against, um, are they creating half a goal of expected goals <laughs> or are they creating a full goal? And, you know, they created what, like 1.6 or something yesterday, which 1. is 1.67, but non-penalty was like 0. 0.86. Okay, non-penalty. Yeah, yeah. But they so, got the penalty. Like, they still right. got it, you know. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's, it's definitely... It's definitely better. And I feel like you just see it with like the way that they were passing and moving in that first half. I just th- I thought it was really good. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, Joseph was a little isolated in the attack. So I think that the building blocks are are definitely, definitely there and they look comfortable under Gonzalo Pineda and what he wants to do. Speaking of that penalty, you got a couple things to point out. The first one on that penalty, Alan Franco had a great ball to Brooks Lennon over the top that eventually yeah. sent Brooks into the box and got fouled. Alan Franco had another even better pass right before that that kind of somehow magically split multiple lines of defenders and kind of curled into the path of an oncoming winger. That was incredible. I think Doyle has some stuff up on his Twitter that kind of highlight that little uh, segment of play for Alan Frank. It was really good. Really good. Uh, George Campbell also had a few good moments on the ball at center back. That was encouraging. I, I thought he Storming had his best game runs. of the year. Exactly, the exactly. Uh, <laughs> LGP style adventure running yeah, at times. Yeah, that's right. But effective, right? That's huge if the center back mm-hmm. can take the ball up and split lines just by dribbling. You know, that, that's I think it's good thing they have to worry about. Not even just the technical aspect of, of that dribble, but like the 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 recognition that he's going to be able to to carry this ball forward and nobody's going to pick him up. I think that, that that's to me the most encouraging thing about seeing a young center back make that play is just having the confidence and understanding that it's there for him to take, uh, not necessarily just the fact that he might be able to technically you know, dribble the ball into that area. So good to see. And I think that George Campbell, George Campbell, Tyler Wolf. I mean, I think that these guys are improving, you know, game on game. Like every time they get to go out there and play, it's it's so good for them. It, it's kind of easy to forget how young they are, um, mm. given that they've been kind of just thrust into the starting lineup. So uh, really happy for both those guys. Quick note on Tyler Wolf, and I wanted to point this out as well. Second on the team in pressures yesterday, and I think second on yeah. the team overall in pressures. First, though, we got to point this out. Mateus Hissetu, first in pressures on the team yesterday and overall. I thought it, thought it was Hissetu's best game, best game of the season, maybe one of his better games just in general for Atlanta United. He's really Absolutely. turning into a consistent performer. 
I thought multiple times, like, wow, that pass went forward. That was kind of my whole takeaway from <laughs> a few passages of play from Hisetsu was that, wow, that pass went forward. He did it a few times. He played a few really solid through balls. That's something we haven't he's, really seen him do much. He's reminding me of like, I call it like a fulcrum. Um, and I described Emerson Hyman this way, like last year, right before he got right before he sustained his injury, where he's one of those players where he can be the one that helps turn like a defensive phase into attacking phase. You know, like he's the one who can mm-hmm. like, receive the ball in the half turn and carry it forward and go. I don't feel like he has that confidence when he's playing in more of like a double pivot, which Atlanta United went to in the end of that game when Almada and Marcelino Moreno came in. I don't think he, well, I, I would have to go back and rewatch last yesterday's game. Um, but that's where I would want to see him be more aggressive. But I just feel like in this most recent team setups that we've seen where he kind of ha- feels like he has license to get forward a little bit more that he, he's starting to grow in confidence and be able to be that guy. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's really encouraging. But I, I did kind of have to giggle and think about the amount of money Atlanta United is paying to two fulcrum players uh, <laughs> yeah. who maybe aren't at the top of, of the list in MLS. Just something to think about. I, we shouldn't be too negative. It, it's a win for Atlanta United. It's an early season win against a team that's geographically close to you. That's always fun. They got to shut them up a little bit. Uh, the, the big group of fans in the corner. And I... Mostly had a good time. Mostly had a good time. As long as people keep having a good time, people are going to keep coming back. It sold out crowd yesterday. Thought they were really engaged. Thought they were good. Everything seems really positive right now. And we'll see if they can continue that this weekend. We'll see if we can continue the show after this quick break. All right. And before we get back into the show, did just want to give another shout out to our presenting partner here at Five Strike Final. That's Lucid FC, Lucid Footwear and Clothing. You guys, if you want to go to lucidfc.us, pick up some of their stuff. There's a DSS code that you can use for free shipping anywhere in the United States. That's always good. Uh, Lucid FC, they have a shop in Buckhead, by the way. It's at uh, it's behind the Whole Foods at 3209 Paces Ferry Place. And they're open by appointment. You can just you can you can make an appointment with them on the website or, or, or you can just walk in. Um, I got the appointment one time and they gave me the special like they'll if you make an appointment, man, they will. The owners of the shop, Chet and Betts to Heart, will meet with you, ask about your style. You know, they'll really kind of um, go in with you and, and pick out some clothes that uh, they think you might like. And, you know, they gave me some stuff and I like it. I wear it a lot. So. Definitely worth checking them out. Uh, And they've got a new Lucid Love capsule collection that just released. Uh, Capsule features core street garments like hoodies, T-shirts, caps, all hand printed here in Atlanta with uh, co-brand sportswear giant champion. So you get a little champion badge on there, too. So they got some good stuff. Just check out their website, lucidfc.us, and make sure you use DSS at checkout for some free shipping. Joe Patrick, the listeners had some good stuff as well. We'll get to those questions right now. We'll start with this one. From World Series champ Nick says, I was hype as hell when the winner went in. I know that those three points are important, but I also know the performance wasn't good enough. But should I care? Should anyone care until we start at least 75% of our best team? Ah, my feelings. Ah, please tell me how to feel. Heart emoji. (laughs) It's a good start, Nick. It's a good start. You're exactly right. I think that we have to kind of temper everything. I think we can be encouraged by a lot. I think we can be encouraged yeah, yeah. by the fact this team has six points without a majority of their best players, right? I think yep. all of that is really, really positive. 
So I, I guess the question now is if it can be as cohesive when, when all those guys get in. And I'm still not necessarily convinced of that, but I have no proof otherwise at this point either. So there's only a reason for optimism, I think. Yeah, I mean, the performance, was it good enough? I mean, I think the performance was good enough. You beat them on expected goals. You beat them in most uh, of the uh, categ- most category. I think they won on expected goals, by the way. I haven't double checked that, but I'm sure I'm pretty sure yes. they did. Yeah, they did. Good. Glad I had that right. Um, yeah, I mean, it was OK. The performance was OK. I do think that Charlotte is a better than I think a lot of people are giving them credit for, obviously, because they haven't won a game yet. They obviously just scored their first goal against Atlanta. But, you know, Atlanta's team after the game was full of praise uh, for their who I forget their managers. Miguel on Hell Ramirez. Yeah. But like the changes that they were able to make in the second half was actually really impressive. And you just, at some point you got to give. Uh, the opponent some credit for for some things but yeah i mean nick you said it best and something we were just mentioning earlier which is that you don't necessarily need to have, like have the best performance of all time in week three like that doesn't really get you anything the only thing that you can win in week three is three points which is exactly what they got so you just got to hope that they can learn from some of the the adversity that they faced during the game and just build on that learn from it maybe they'll be better in some of those areas in the next game and that's it's progress. all said after the game that he was just proud of the team's response. And it's something he yeah, said before. Yeah. And it's something he kind of focuses on is, is what is a team's response to adversity? And the adversity in this case was a headed goal from a former Atlanta United Academy kid, Adam Armour, for Charlotte FC. They responded well, uh, clearly. Just, right. There was a te- technicality on, on Armour. He played for an aca- the academy team uh, in like a game or two, but he wasn't actually in the academy. So that has been a that, I know that has been a point of confusion because he has technically played for Elaine United's Academy. But. This is good clarification. Well done. Well done. J School points. Uh, that's actually I heard Joe. that from Jason Longshore on the uh, on the uh, off the ball podcast it's the i forget what the post game show is technically called i should know that since it is, i do uh-huh. work for the station but uh-huh. anyway and what station is that joe patrick for that for that uh 99 the game thank you joe patrick that was my jared asks so we got in the bleeping box how do we get the ball and the bleeping goal i wanted to look at that right quick whether or not we actually were getting in in the box because we can say that all we want you know but if we could just be lying to you you would never know unless (laughs) you have the numbers good thing i have the numbers last year joe patrick atlanta united 26th in the league and runs crazy that they were that low that's only team worse remember there were 27 teams last year fc cincinnati (laughs) so wild if if i have done this research correctly they were bad uh, this year so far, ninth in the league it is much, much improved over Solid. this one season, hopefully. So, I, again, this was a point of emphasis for the team. The entire offseason is a point of emphasis for Gonzalo. I think they're doing it. I think they're successfully doing it. The question as far as like getting the ball into the leaping goal, they did score twice yesterday. They did score three times against Sporting Kansas City. This isn't the worst <laughs> yeah. goal scoring record in the league at all. This is not the worst expected goals record in the league at all and you know getting your creative players back is going to help a ton right and frankly i think they're doing a lot right as far as the way they're playing crosses in now the way they're varying their deliveries the way the ball is is getting to different points on the pitch and different phases of attack are being incorporated 
right? They've been mm-hmm. largely success, successful in, in pretty much every phase so far this year, except for a really, really bad game against Colorado. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. from the small sample size we have, I think it's it's all going pretty well and should improve. Yeah, for sure. And I would also add that the game state yesterday really kind of favored Charlotte. Something I mentioned to you, Sam, after Atlanta had scored their goal and something I was saying before the game was that, you know, once Atlanta took the lead, that's when they were actually going to be able to do even more damage because that's when the opposing team has to come out and try to try to equalize. Unfortunately, it like wasn't long before, you know, they just kind of randomly equalized on, on a corner. So they didn't actually have the lead for very long. So Atlanta United was not there was not much time in this game where Atlanta was in the position where they were going to be able to really start creating chance after chance after chance like they did against Sporting Kansas City in that second half where they had the lead and Sporting had to kind of throw numbers forward and Atlanta was able to punish them on the counterattack. Joe Patrick, I tweeted this during the game. (laughs) And I quote from the account of JCM Jones. Ain't going to be fun for teams chasing Atlanta United during games this year. (laughs) Kind of feels like things are about to open up. Joe Patrick, that was at 617. Charlotte scored at 6.18 p.m. <laughs> Eastern Time. I'm an Never idiot. tweet. Never tweet. <laughs> Never tweet. Never tweet. <laughs> Never tweet. Um, but I think on a long enough curve, that will be true. <laughs> it will be really mm-hmm. difficult to chase this mm-hmm. team. And, and I guess it did eventually work out to where, you know, Atlanta United was fine, you know, after yeah. it went up one nothing, you know, so... Maybe don't tweet, but maybe assume that Atlanta United will be really solid uh, defending leads for the most part this year. Any other thoughts? Let's go to Rubber Anchor. Rubber Anchor asks, when people complain that Joseph isn't slotting balls home when he gets them in the box, I feel like sometimes they are romanticizing past years and he wasn't as perfect before the knee injury as they like to think. Do you agree or am I way off? Oh! He was pretty close, about as close to perfect as you could probably get (laughs) at these kinds of things. Uh, Extremely efficient, a ton of chances. I just want to point out, though, that he did have a ton of chances yesterday. You know, he didn't look stagnant the entire time. Was he running a ton? No, he never has, though. There were a couple moments. You mentioned Joe Patrick earlier, a ball from Brooks Lennon that just sailed out of his reach. Uh, on a cross, and that was one of those that you kind of thought, does 2019 Joseph get to that? Maybe. Just maybe. Mm -hmm. Right? So there are still differences, but I don't think anyone is necessarily romanticizing his finishing ability. I think people were maybe romanticizing his movement, you know, which was Mm -hmm. never super explosive and dynamic. It was excellent, of course, because it was Joseph, but it was never in the, like, a, a different stratosphere than everyone else, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I, I think yeah. I think Joseph was good yesterday. I think it was fine. Joe, he, what do you he, think? He he had four shots all on target. Three of them were coming like right from the penalty spot. So like that's where you want Joseph. Um, one was an unbelievable save by Kalina that I've already like referenced two or three times, and I think probably one of the reasons <laughs> why Joseph was wearing his shirt after the game. Um, you know, I think that he was generally good i would say i don't have these numbers in front of me but it just seems like joseph always gets off to a little bit of a slower start during seasons just the the goal scoring isn't like pouring in from game one seems like he usually hits his stride in like may june and then things like 
ramp up, ramp up. And then and that's what you want to see, right? Like you would rather him being in his top form toward the end of the season than right now. And I think it's just always going to be natural for most strikers because they're so reliant on the rest of the team to also be cohesive and to be able to supply them with delivery. Um, granted, again, that's not necessarily the case in yesterday's game, but I think that just in general, strikers get more as they gain more opportunities throughout the season, they start to get in the flow, they gain confidence, all that kind of stuff. So I think Joseph was was good. I think it's actually been a good progression from him from him from game one till now. And especially with something that we talked about and you asked Gonzalo Pineda specifically about on Thursday, which was just him making those runs into the box to be the guy on the ends of those uh, those attacking moves. Yeah, if you if you subscribe to the Patreon, y'all would know that already. We talked about it on Friday. Patreon comes to five strike final. But yeah, no, I, I thought it was super interesting to hear Gonzalo talk about that. And Gonzalo obviously wants him to, to get in the box more. And it seemed like he was more aggressive in this game. I'm not sure if that's directly because of that conversation, but he seemed more aggressive, wasn't quite as apprehensive. There were some moments where Atlanta United was a bit apprehensive, I guess, as far as maybe not turning immediately and, and being direct, but for the large part, they were solid. Superman asked a, a very relevant question. Lack of hitting players on the run slash into space and how effective it was when we did so is something I'd like to at least be acknowledged by someone else. Need our <laughs> players facing their goal and attacking. Doesn't have to be on transition play, although that does tend to help. So yeah, that, that kind of gets at what I was talking about. There were there were a few moments where people could have turned and maybe attacked space or maybe played a through ball or whatever. I thought it was direct enough. Maybe it could be more direct, but I thought it was direct enough, especially considering you didn't want to get burned by Charlotte on something random in transition. Right. Yeah, exactly. Again, yeah, I I need to go back and rewatch the second half again because I really want to see what Charlotte was doing specifically that knocked Atlanta out of their rhythm. But again, in that first 40 minutes, they had such a good rhythm, rhythmic passing throughout midfield. They were really creating overloads on the wings and the attack. Um to get those balls in. I, I agree with Superman. That was like one of the defining characteristics of those Tata Martino teams was that they were getting, they were running into space and you saw Joseph Martinez finish time and time again, like sprinting in on goal and finishing at, you know, one of the posts or at the penalty spot or something. So you would like to see those, but again, I think it's, we are seeing some of it, whether is it enough? I mean, that's going to be, every, that's going to be subjective. Everybody's going to have their own opinion on that. But I think that we're seeing the signs that, they're moving in the right direction as opposed to what we've seen quite a bit over the, the two seasons prior where we didn't really see much of that kind of thing at all. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I completely agree. Completely agree. We'll keep track of all of it, but I, I think everything's fine guys. I don't know. I, I know everyone comes to this, this podcast yeah. for us to complain about stuff, but I don't have a ton yet. Don't test me. Speaking of tests, Joe Patrick, Atlanta United keeps getting tested at like halftime of these games, right around halftime and right after halftime, uh-huh. and kind of failing miserably. We mentioned earlier <laughs> that Charlotte had two huge chances right towards the end of the first half, and it kind of seems to be a weird thing, and it really is, and I, I think Gonzalo acknowledged it a bit. Yeah. They're in the press conference, yeah. right? Saying oh, that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, he definitely did, yeah. Uh, I don't have the quote pulled up in front of me. Well, I'll read this real quick from Can't Use That. It says, seems to be a trend going back a few seasons. The team ends up in survival mode as halftime approaches, regardless of the opponent. Why? Is it youth and experience? Frustration and early goals don't go in? Question mark. I don't know what it is, man. I, I genuinely can't explain it. And 
It's not like there wasn't a veteran leader out on the field yesterday. Ozzy Alonso mm-hmm. existed. He was there. Mm-hmm. I saw him. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I don't know how it can be addressed. I don't. I think it's just something where you just have to look at each other and eventually just say, you know what? We we. Oh, it's the fortieth minute. This is when we suck. Let's not suck. <laughs> right. I. This is just me speculating. To me, I find the ends of the half to be a little bit more random, and I'd like to see a little bit larger of a sample before we draw too sharp of a conclusion on that. To me, the real concern is how they look coming out for the second half, because to me, that's a lot more indicative of, you know, what the message is at halftime, how the players are receiving that message, and how are they able to implement it on the field? How are you able to react to the changes that the other teams make? And I think that in the Charlotte game yesterday, I think that's specifically that latter part of what I just said. I think thought that Atlanta was just really confused by the, the changes that Charlotte made, and, and Gonzalo Pineda, again, gave the tip of the hat. To, for them making so many changes that really disrupted what they were doing in the first half. So that's what I'm more concerned about as the end of the first half. I don't know if that's a fitness issue right now or or what it would be. But um, I, I'd like to see. I, I think it may be a little bit noisy in terms of the data. Um, but again, something we saw in the the NYCFC game that ended the United season last year, which w- was them just kind of being looking like they had brain fog or something coming out uh, mm-hmm. of the of the halftime break. So I'd really like to see them improve that aspect. Yeah. And I, if we had more like numbers or whatever to tell you guys how to fix this, we'd probably be paid a lot more. <laughs> yeah. I just don't, I just don't really know what it is. We'll see if they get it together. We'll see if they get together. One person who did get it together at the very end yesterday was Marcelino Moreno. We've got a couple questions about him. ATL Greg one ask is Marcy still a dude? And Logan Harris asks, in 2022, can we reliably count on Marcy to dribble head down into a corner and give up the ball 10 to 20 times, 20 times every game before bombing a spectacular, mind-numbing, inch-perfect cross-field assist in extra time to justify his existence on the team? First off, Marcy, still a dude, yes. <laughs> Second off, that was one of the best balls in Atlanta United history, I'm not joking. Yeah, that was incredible. I, I don't know what he did to it, but it moved like three different directions. It felt like in <laughs> the air and it moved so much that the Charlotte defender, you can go back and watch this. He gets close to the ball, but just kind of gives up because it did so much like shit in the air that he was like, <laughs> nah, man, nah, <laughs> I'm not dealing with that. Are you kidding me? And so then he tracks back and tries to track down Jake. It didn't go well. It didn't go well. It was a gorgeous, gorgeous pass from Marcy. He remains the best creative force on this team in a lot of ways, especially right now, since we don't quite know what Tiago really looks like. And we need to talk about Tiago in a second. But yeah. we'll get to that. I was going to say, did anybody ask a question about him? Because we definitely need to talk about that. Right. We can do it right after this. Um, I'll ask. I'll ask I the have question. questions. Yeah. <laughs> Marcelino Marino will get a lot of stick. And understandably so. And this is my perspective on this. I have been pro Marcy for a long time now. Me and Joe have had discussions about this. But Marcy will get a lot of stick for not making the right pass or the right decision or the right dribble 25% of the time. But that 75% of the time that he is doing the right thing, it's probably less than that. I'm just throwing out numbers. Those times that he's doing those things still amount to way more than anyone else on this team. And... A lot more than a lot of other players in this league. Again, this was a guy who was fourth 
and goals added in the entire league last year. I went back and looked today, and I think ASA did some restructuring on, on maybe their goals added stuff, or maybe he was always fourth. I don't know. Either way, really, really good last year mm-hmm. by a lot of different yeah. metrics, by a lot of different underlying numbers. And I get the frustration, right? But to me, it reminds me of people complaining about the striker who keeps, quote, missing chances without acknowledging that he continues to have just a ton of chances come his way. That doesn't happen by accident, right? And eventually those things level out on some plane. And when you're Atlanta United and you need literally anyone to be creative sometimes, Marcy's the guy. And I think we need to acknowledge that and appreciate him more. Joe Patrick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, the good things that Marcelino Moreno does are like really, really good and vastly outweigh some of the negative things, which I tend to complain about a lot. (laughs) But uh, is it unfair? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But you're but you're totally right that like, you know, that ball that he that he that set up the goal is kind of a perfect representation of the way that he can just do something kind of out of nowhere that changes the game, uh, which is what you need sometimes, especially in a situation like Atlanta United was in yesterday where you just kind of desperately need a goal. So, um, I mean, I don't really have anything terrible to say about Marcelino from yesterday. I thought he played pretty well. I think that I, again, kind of similar to, to Joseph to an extent, I feel like he's just like still settling into the season. Obviously with him, he's got an additional fitness issue, um, which just kind of complicates the matter. I'm not expecting Marcelino Moreno to be at his best right now. Um, As long as he can come in and provide a positive impact, that's really all you want. And he's clearly doing that so far this season. So you got to give a a tip of the hat to him. I thought it was interesting. And I don't know. Maybe we'll ask Gonzalo about this um, when we talk to him in training this week. But when Tiago Amada came into the game, Tiago Amada was on the left and Marcelino Moreno was central. And it was pretty, to me, it was pretty solidly. It was a 4-2-3-1. I thought that Mateus Rosetto's position had definitely dropped into a deeper role um, playing on the right side, Ozzy Alonso on his left, um, and Brooks Lennon obviously on that right wing. And then at some point, it looked like they had definitively changed to Marcelino Moreno being out on the left wing and Tiago Amada coming centrally. I don't know if that was because Gonzalo Pineda wanted Amada to try to get more touches on the ball because, you know, something we're going to talk about. He was just not really involved in much at all during the game, during his time on the field. Um, But, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see how they kind of sort that out. Of course, these guys are going to be fluid. And that was actually very interesting in the first half to see Tyler Wolf and Brooks Lennon swapping positions and. You know, when the play would carry Brooks Lennon over to the left side, he would just kind of stay out there for for a while and just hang, you know, and I don't think it was necessarily planned, but I think that Gonzalo Pineda just gives these guys some freedom. So maybe that was the situation with Marcelino Moreno moving out to the left. I do think that his skill is like his play style in terms of wanting to take players on uh, maybe does suit him better being out on the left. But I don't know, because when he was out on the left early last season, he looked really uh, not that great. Um, when, you remember when he and George Bellow would be mm. out there on the left side and seemed like they were always getting in their way and uh, Moreno didn't seem to have a great read of the the overlapping fullback. So I don't know. Maybe he will settle into that position. Maybe he will play more centrally. Not sure. But, you know, I thought generally, obviously, Atlanta United doesn't get the result without what it, without him providing that, that ball for Mulraney. I'm curious if Marcy would be much better on the left side when Louise gets back. You know, if he had that kind of counterpart to maybe do something different and offer something different. Because remember last year, who who was opposite him on the right wing to start the year? Because I I honestly can't remember. I remember Jurgen Dam was there a couple times in the Champions League games. Marcy played at winger. 
I, I really can't remember. Um, so maybe so, maybe having a different counterpart would make that more effective. It was a little different because they didn't have like a pure winger like they would this year because they were playing in that back five. Um, was it Eric Lopez maybe getting some chances out there? I don't know. Yeah, oh, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I know he Eric Eric Lopez did play a little bit in the beginning of the year, but yeah, there wasn't necessarily the same kind of creators that I think Atlanta United has at their disposal now. So um, again, I'm super excited to see all these guys play together for the first time. It's still going to mm-hmm. probably be three or four weeks before we see that. But um, man, it's going to be so fun. I think. Is it? Is it Joe Patrick? Because let's talk about <laughs> yeah. Tiago Almada. Joe Patrick, <laughs> this was an MLS record $16 million transfer. We had no questions about Tiago Almada. There's one that vaguely like alludes to Tiago Amada, I think, later on in the show. Um, and one of them that's a bit from Chris, who I hate. So what happened here? <laughs> it's just really strange to think that we just didn't have anything notable or anything happened to where people are like, oh, we got to talk about the MLS record signing. Joe Patrick, It kind of just seemed like he was on a 35-minute jog. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm going to cut him a ton of slack. Um, He's trained with the team. He had one training training session with the team before this. I mean, and he would have had like probably three or four with the team um, after they had made the signings. He did play in that uh, preseason game uh, where he looked similarly kind of out of sorts. Um, And we've seen, you know, players come into the league and just... You know, takes a little bit of settling in and definitely more than one training session. To me, he looked tactically lost. Like he didn't know what his teammates were going to be doing. And that's why he was kind of. You know, something I mentioned to you before that I was crediting Andrew Gutman for, and we were both crediting Andrew Gutman for, was was making himself available at all times to receive a pass. That's something that he's been really good at. And Tiago Amada was not doing that. Like Tiago Amada seemed to be. I don't know if it was hiding necessarily from the ball, but he was just like not really um, assertively like trying to make himself the focal piece of the team. I think that I don't don't know if that's psychologically he didn't feel comfortable doing that or tactically or whatever it was. But yeah, I mean, let's not like say it was like good when it wasn't. I mean, he was he was not very good. And and again, I would just say like not very involved. I think he ended up with 14 touches uh, over. How, how many minutes do you play? Like 35? I'm looking at it. it it's 30. like 10, 14, 15, somewhere around there. Yeah. yeah. That entire time. And he came on like what? The 53rd, 54th? Yeah. Uh, I know. I think it was earlier. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, 53rd, 54, something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, you expect more. We will see more. Uh, Gonzalo Pineda said after the game, he's just, he's got to figure, he's going to be careful in how he manages integrating him into the team because he knows that there's so much excitement to see him perform. And it takes players some time to train with the team, to understand the tactics, to understand. And the tactic, when I say the tactics, a lot of that is like understanding your teammates and the movements that they're going to be making and how that, um, how that involves the entire team. So it's just, it's just going to take some time for, for Almada. You're itching to say something. You know what the worst thing that happened to Tiago Amada this weekend was? 
What's that? Alan Velasco scored a Oh, worldie. that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a player with a, a somewhat similar profile from Argentina who Dallas paid significantly less for. A How much was he? Do you remember? Seven. That's what I, yeah. Seven million, I think, is what yeah. they paid for, for that transfer fee. Scored a worldie in like the first like 10 minutes he was on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, he has been with the team. You know, that it, it, it is different circumstances. I know, whatever. It was still just kind of funny to look at that and go, okay. There's also a really sneaky moment in Doyle's column this week. And hopefully he doesn't hear this, that I'm calling him out on it because I know what he meant when he said it. But he mentions that uh, Velasco has a ton of hype around him and all the people in the league are saying he's really, really good without any of the red flags that came with anyone else. Now we can talk about like, what red flags means that can be off field, mm. but it can also be on field. And there were a lot of on field flags with Almada as well. Right. So if we're comparing them the entire year, it may be super interesting to check in on that by the end of the season. Um, overall, I just, I mean, he didn't get on the ball. He didn't do anything really impressive. The preseason game he played, he was fine. Pretty mid, honestly. Yeah. Um, the expectations are higher. The, game. the expectations are higher. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's just what it is. Right. And he's, he's definitely not like, well, I'm going to say this over and over again about the whole one training session thing, but it's because I think it's true. But, um, right. you know, like Louise uh, Arajo, when he came into the team, it was like, whoa, like from, from game yes. one, even though he was only like 30 minutes fit or 45 minutes fit or whatever, when he came in, um, it was like noticeable the quality on the ball, which was just not apparent with Almada in this game because he wasn't really on the ball. <laughs> I mean, like right. there was it was like twenty minutes <laughs> of the game where like has how many touches has he had? Has he has he gotten involved at all? Like Jackson I seriously Popkin don't think he was involved at Soto. all in like the final third. Jackson Popkin and Kyle Soto from one of our our brother podcast on the DSS network, which is called Joe Patrick United Talk. United Talk. We're like counting the touches by the yeah. end of the game. It was very funny. <laughs> Here we go. Oh, he got one. Good. Okay. Great. Um, look, this is a long-term thing. I, I get it. I it's my prerogative to be hypercritical. It's just who I am Absolutely. as a person. You know? I'm, um, I'm wondering if he starts in, in the next game. I I tend to think that he won't. I hope so. I tend to think that he won't. I'm 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 thinking that okay. I'm thinking that uh Pineda might be slow to progress him through. Uh, I don't know. We'll see if he, if he does start, it'll be interesting because if he starts, he has to get more involved than he was uh, in that game yesterday. Yeah. That's an obvious statement Again, because but. this is the, just to clarify here, this isn't like a Tam dude. They brought in as like a project. This is a new 22 initiative guy. This is the most expensive transfer fee in MLS history. The expectations are going to be extremely high. Mm-hmm. Right. This is and Barco. So, this is Pitti Martinez. This is that guy. Exactly. And exactly. And if things start trending the way they started trending pretty apparently for those guys early on in their career in Atlanta and never really truly got to a level where they recoup the the value on the field, even though Pitti somehow magically did it off the field. There's going to be questions, right? Yeah, totally. So that's that's where we are with that. I'd say it's, that's where we are. it's OK to say that he was pretty anonymous from that game. And you can also keep an open mind about what he's going to be down the road, down the road. So we'll see, we'll see what he turns into, but 
I'm just glad he was able to actually just get involved with the team and just because it means that he's here and he's finally mm-hmm. part of part of things, you know, where he was just like often it, it was it was just in a we- really weird situation before he was able to come to the United States. Just like training Tyler on Wolf his own out of the lineup under- for like the year. <laughs> well, that'll be. <laughs> I guess it would be bad and good, but uh, not good on the on the balance sheet, I guess. All right. But- We'll stop. We'll stop doing this for now. Long term thing. Long term thing. We'll check back in in like twelve weeks on Tiago. Uh, Blue Guay asks, "How make set piece defending just average? Just be <laughs> average at it, please." And Stamper asks, "Has anyone ever told Atlanta they're allowed to practice defending set pieces during their training sessions?" Uh, I mentioned the issues last year with set piece defending. Again, I think they were fourth worst when it came to total xG allowed off set pieces, which isn't good. But it wasn't completely terrible in the way that Houston, Cincinnati, and Timbers were mm-hmm. uh, right below them. So it needs some work. Obviously, Joe, do we have anything else to really to really say about that other than like Gonzalo will eventually turn around and make it a a right. key point of emphasis in practice and probably fix it? Yeah, I don't know what else we can really add on like set piece defending. I will say it does look like they've been training on some set piece attacking. They're definitely doing some attacking. Set pieces wasn't that remarkable designed yeah, yeah i yeah. mean and just the worked. coordination of it mm-hmm. and it worked every time mm-hmm. nearly every time that was good and, to see and people were open every time yeah. it was really interesting and unique to see them kind of do that maybe i mean maybe it shouldn't have been unique i don't know why other managers and atlanta had passed maybe didn't have these <laughs> as coordinated but they were extremely effective and you can tell that it comes from a coaching staff that is engaged with watching tape and with with looking at the analytics stuff and everything like that and, and coming up with really clever and smart things and that was encouraging for sure yep for yep. sure um also encouraging george campbell encouraging yesterday i think we talked about it a little bit uh can't use that ask thoughts on how the campbell franco pairing worked out and pierce asked could campbell legitimately take franco's spot this year he's playing really well i i still we've been asked this like two weeks in a row i still don't think campbell's gonna take alan franco's spot Agree. I just don't think that's what's going to happen. I just think as far as the pairings, it, it just doesn't make as much sense. Um, but you never yeah, know if there's that, a if there's a big injury or something. Like you have, you know that mm-hmm. you have a quality. You have somebody who can slot in. If something happens to Miles Robinson, if something happens to Alan Franco, you have somebody who's going to come in, and you're really not going to lose a whole lot. So you should just everybody should be thankful that they have a guy like George Campbell, who's not mm-hmm. of that quality. But he's young. He's a homegrown. Like so many good things. I mean, um, obviously mm-hmm. everybody's giving George George praise. Uh, Franco, I think it's becoming a thing with him too, where it's like he will grow into the season, right? Like he Shaq, did the same he's got to play him well, like play himself into shape. Legitimately terrible. Yeah, he'll get not there. Fi- not We've seen all three case, pairings but, though. At this yeah, point, yeah, we have. Yeah, we've Patrick. seen like every combination. <laughs> and the only one to give up uh, three points, three goals, and a loss. Was was Alan Franco and was Miles Robinson? All three was, of them were on the field in that game. With uh, all three of them were on the Campbell field. That's right. Playing, Campbell yeah. playing as a midfielder. Uh, <laughs> um, so interesting to kind of see that there were a whole lot of other factors like yeah. midfielders yeah. being out and everything like that. But uh, it is something to to kind of look at and go, huh? Interesting, interesting. Uh, as far as the pairing yesterday, I thought Campbell looked very comfortable with Alan Franco next to him. I thought he looked comfortable moving forward knowing that Franco was going to be back there to kind of sweep up things. Franco is good at that and good at reading games like that. He's very part Christian in that sense at times. And I thought everyone looked comfortable. I thought it was pretty solid. 
yeah Alan Franco was at least better than than he was in Colorado even though that's one of the worst games by a center back I think I've ever seen in Atlanta United I'm still, so, still thinking altitude I, I'm I'm stuck on on Jeff's altitude thing that's a <laughs> like if you you know me I'm all about weather yes. like these really weird uh-huh. things that's like right up my alley for like altitude 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 is the issue uh, we had another lineup question. Tom asked, Hernandez is starting right back, and I can't see Lennon getting it back automatically. Where's Brooks going to play when MAMA gets match fit and occupies the top of the pitch? And they tell Greg one asks, is Brooks a winger? Remember we talked about Brooks grew up playing up top in the academy? Yeah. Not even oh, like, yeah. he, oh, he was like the striker on his like co-ed YMCA team. Like, mm-hmm. no, he was like in academies, RSL, Liverpool came back to RSL, played up top. It was a pretty natural thing for him, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. It's a great option to have. As far as Hernandez being the starting right back and taking over for Lennon, I'm not super convinced that's like a sure thing, but I think it's one of those things you could tailor game by game and be pretty right. comfortable. Yeah. Like, I mean, Lennon was the guy who stayed on the field in this game where when uh, Gonzalo Pineda made changes, Ronald Hernandez came out and Brooks Lennon moved to right back because... You could see that against Charlotte, Brooks Lennon was going to be the more effective guy who was going to be able to get up up and down the line. And we saw him getting into some uh, some, you know, goal scoring or assist providing positions. So, yeah, I think it's going to be game by game, depending on yeah the strengths of the opponent. If the opponent has like some top quality left winger, then you're probably likely to see Ronald Hernandez in there. But it's a really it's a good situation for Gonzalo Pineda maybe not as great of a position for either of those two players who I'm sure want to be like first choice playing every single game but it just gives this team so much more depth and versatility when you have two very different kinds of options to go to in that position and that you can change like in, in during a game like we saw yesterday for sure for sure uh another change that helped Atlanta United a lot Jake Moraney comes in let's go Ducks 96 asked Jake great preseason prior to injury and now great debut the healthy lineup is he best suited to be a sub he seems to be at his best when attacking tired defenders this is something that we've kind of hit on a bunch which is that for the money we're paying jake Moraney coming on as a super sub and being effective like he was yesterday is absolutely worth it and exactly the right kind of role you kind of hope he'd be in mm-hmm. at this point right and he continues to do that effectively i don't think he's going to knock anyone out of the starting lineup maybe maybe next week maybe as as louise kind of continues to get healthy and everything like that uh, he, he might be able to get into the starting lineup, but overall, I don't think that's really going to happen because he is really effective as a sub. I mean, yeah. And that goal that he scored was, I think, the perfect example of why he's so effective as a sub, because he's a dynamic athlete, an explosive athlete, and he was able to just blow past Christian Fuchs like he didn't exist. And in MLS, I feel like you're going to be playing, you know, fullbacks are tired at the end of games. That's a position that runs the most. And when you can put on a fresh winger that's explosive like Jake, Jake Mulraney is, you just have such an advantage at the ends of games. And he can, yeah, again, like you saw, you, he can just cut in on that foot against a tired fullback pretty much anytime he wants, probably, if he has the, the opportunity to do so. So I love him in that role. I don't think Jake likes the role as much. <laughs> he said after the game, he's like, I want to be starting. I'm, as he shouldn't. Yeah, Like, no course. one should be like, like yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah I get to not start. Yeah, 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 of yeah. course. Um but if he can help the team that way, then that's what we all want to see. So good for him. 
So Patrick, you can help the team in this way right now. You can answer these questions in rapid fire. Austin Perry says, crowd is significantly less than the match with chance excitement for the two home games. So far, Austin, we disagree. Jeff Patrick, do you disagree? Yeah, I mean, if you were only watching on TV, I could see agreeing because the the, the broadcasts do not seem to pick up the environment, the ambiance as well uh, in the stadium. But I thought it was great. Seemed like a really lively yeah, crowd. I thought it was great. And like we didn't giggle when someone announced the attendance right, numbers. Right, exactly. They yeah, they were legit. like, yeah, that's, that's looks right. legit. Yeah. We've done, we've done that the past two weeks. It was all good yeah, stuff. It was very full. Uh, Phil, Philip Jeffcoat asked, with Hasetu playing well and assuming Amada Moreno occupy the other midfield spot next to Sosa Alonso, where does that leave Heinemann's place on this team? Heinemann, designated snack bringer with all that money, can afford <laughs> the really, really good snacks to parties, games, halftimes, things like that. It leaves him in a great position not to have to rush back from his injury and able to recuperate fully before he can before he can resume. That's the much more nuanced answer. He'll be an effective piece once he's back, for sure. For sure. Uh, Mark Simmons says, no coincidence the news about the Newcastle exodus this week. Uh, ben Joseph does the fusion celebration. Is he petitioning to bring Mick mm. back for the sake of argument? Let's say we did try to bring him back. What kind of wizardry would it take from the front office? None of that boring, like, Harry Potter-style wizardry where no one does, like, anything cool with it, right? <laughs> like, there's so many, like, way cooler things they could have done to just, like, make them stuff float. I'm imagining um, Carlos Bocanegra breaking breaking into the MLS headquarters, like, Tom Cruise-style on Mission Impossible, like, coming, like, um, coming down from the <laughs> coming down from the ceiling with like the the cables holding suspending them uh-huh. and typing on the computer uh-huh. to change the algorithms in the uh, secret database that keeps all the salaries uh-huh. and everything. That's how they'd have to do it. Or sell Joseph. I imagine someone I catching them and being like Carlos. You don't have to keep doing that. You can just wear <laughs> turtlenecks. Yeah. Doesn't have to be specific for this, <laughs> Carlos. Look, Miggy's not coming back, guys. Sorry, sorry. Uh, Pierce says, "Has Kazan's distribution gotten noticeably worse this season?" Yeah. Yeah, and he should have saved that other goal that Charlotte scored, yeah. too, I thought. It, it wasn't super spectacular. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about it more. As Small sample size for goalkeeper, he'll, he'll but good. yeah, it's uh, yeah. not been great. Three games in. Alec Conprey, great this weekend. He did. Redeemed Chris himself. Asked and totally how, redeemed how, himself. <laughs> and redeemed himself and, and us. Yeah, yeah. Continue to hype more him importantly, up. us. Uh, Chris asked, <laughs> how will Tiago Amada respond? Mike White <laughs> coaching Chris I hate you and that's my response to that how dare you beautiful how dare you and that was rapid fire rapid fire uh, Joe Patrick anything else to say before we get out of here no I think we're just seeing the 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 initial form of this team I'm just really excited to see how they progress from week to week because I think they're going to just get better and better it wasn't perfect but it was good enough to get the three points which is all they needed this week Go team. Bye, y'all.